It was too much. It was too much to be told at that young age, and I going away forever. At times, he said after a long silence, he had toyed with the idea of going home to visit the grave. When he saw Christmas decorations in the shop windows and raffles for Christmas cake, or got the cards from his sisters who were now grown up and had married young and moved away. Except that he never went. If I went home, I would have had to kill him, he said, his sad gray eyes looking into mine unflinchingly. One Sunday in summer, I was enlisted to help at a car boot sale in a warehouse outside London. Adrian had organized it so as to collect money to send deprived children to the seaside for a week's holiday. I was assigned to the bookstall, mostly tattered paperbacks with their covers torn off, a few novels, and a book about trees and plants indigenous to the Holy Land, pictures with panoramic views accompanied by beautiful quotations from the Bible. Rafferty was impresario, steering people to the various folding tables to ransack for bargains. The offerings were motley, winter and summer dresses, worn blankets, quilts, men's shirts, crockery, car tires, and stacks of old records. A young nun, her blue nylon veiling fluttering down her back, did brisk business selling cakes, pies, loaves of bread, and homemade jams that had been, as she proudly said, made in the mother house of her order. The other stand that drew a crowd was a litter of young pups in a deep cardboard box, mewling and scampering to get out. They were spaniel and some other breeds. One child, whose birthday it was, lifted his favorite one out, a black-and-white puppy with a single russet gash on the brow of its head, and as the father handed over two coins, numerous children clamored for a pet. Though business was not great, Adrian pronounced it an out-and-out success. We packed the unsold stuff and swept up to give some semblance of cleanliness to the place. As we were being driven back to London in a van, Rafferty asked courteously if I would care for a drink before setting out for home. We got dropped off in a part of London that neither of us was familiar with and that was anything but inviting. Blocks of tall, dun-colored flats veered towards the sky. They were of such deliberate ugliness, their planners must have determined that those who would live in them would do so in unmitigated gloom. A scarlet kite flew above them, sailing in its desultory way, now and then flurrying as if a sudden swell of wind had overtaken it, and we could not but express the hope that it would never return to the ugly ravine from whence someone, perhaps a child, had dispatched it. Nearby was a playground, more like a yard, bordered with a line of young poplars, beyond which youths yelled and shouted at one another as they played different ball games. The taller ones converged around a basketball net. Dogs ran around, barking ceaselessly. We could see the sign for a pub, but the entrance eluded us. It was tucked in between a Catholic church, which we recognized by the cross on its grey-blue spire, and a community centre for youths. But though we went up and down several flights of concrete steps and under dark, foul-smelling concrete archways, we kept returning to the same spot. A young Irishman in shorts offered to be of assistance, but said we must first have a peep in the window of the Catholic church, because the altar, brought from Europe centuries previous, was priceless. The church was locked, as evening mass had been said. We looked through a long stained-glass window and saw an empty room with only a few pews, 
The altar, set back from the wall, had intricate sprays of gold leaf and was flanked with stout gold pillars. He was a most talkative young man, and pointing to the vista of flats, he listed the crimes that were rife there. He was a community worker and helped the local priest, whom he pronounced his hero. With ebullience, he produced a map of the area, where, with green drawing pins, he had highlighted the scene of three murders, all connected with drugs. Then he discounted, as might an aficionado, on the type of drugs that were being sold, their quality, and the astronomical prices they fetched. He asked us to guess how many languages were current in the neighborhood, and then answered for us, more than twenty languages, and the Irish no longer in the majority, many having gone home, and many others having become millionaires.'